Hey everybody, welcome to the SJV Podcast. This is Nick Fishman, and today I'm joined by my special guest, uh, Nick Kelland, uh, who is the uh, Chief Product Officer and Chief Technology Officer here at SJV. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is the role technology plays in the background screening industry, and certainly the role technology plays in innovation as well. Um, it's really an intersection between the two. So um, thanks for joining us today, Nick. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it as well. Yeah. So we we, we mentioned your, your job title and you did just pick up the title of chief product officer. Um, you don't always see product married with technology. Uh, how does that intersect with your role? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> it's a good question. Uh, and I joke around a lot about how I inherited a, uh, a second title but not necessarily a second salary. So uh, didn't, it did not intersect it in my paycheck, that's for sure. But it is, uh, for us, the two- Make note of that, Scott Vanek. Yeah, exactly. I think it was a creative way for, uh, for our CEO to save a couple of bucks. So, um, in reality, at least for us, product and technology uh, development are really, really tightly wound. And that's probably true for a lot of organizations, but especially as we sort of get more serious about product development, so much of it relies on technology. And so it was kind of a natural decision for us um, just by nature of, the, you know, leading tech here for so long. Um, I, I sort of inherited the product development side of things um, as we branded, as we rebranded a couple of years ago to data solutions. Um, I remember being pretty vocal at that time that like, I didn't want to see us just rebrand unless we were going to be really committed to transforming into a data solutions company. And so um, I'm happy to say that since then we did, we did invest quite heavily um, in taking the product development initiatives seriously, investing in some talented folks on our product team um, and uh, marrying that with tech. Uh, and I think that's how we'll continue to deliver, you know, growth oriented solutions to our clients. Um, for me, ultimately, whether you call it product or technology, um, you know, I like building new stuff. And I like solving problems. And that's really where it intersects is just, you know, how can we use technology to solve problems for our customers? And so, you know, I, I joke around like, you know, I didn't really raise my hand for this title, but um, I am, I'm loving it. Uh, I'm love, loving the new challenge and I'm loving our new product focus here at SJB for sure. Yeah. And you're loving the new team too. I love the new team. Yeah, yeah definitely. For sure. Um, so SKV, I know, and I should say SKV, you really have a philosophy uh, when it comes to technological advancements. Um, can you tell us about that philosophy and kind of the three pillars you've structured? Yeah, and pillars, you know, you could call it that or philosophy. That seems, uh, that seems generous, right? But for us, it's really, um, you know, we have a culture of continuous improvement. Um, and that's, that's a pretty simple philosophy, right? It's none of us like inefficiency. Um, and continuous improvement is all about just doing, doing more with less. Um, you know, honestly, I, you know, probably the main reason I got into software development is like, I did not really like doing anything more than once. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, continuous improvement for us, um, is again, just how can we do things better constantly, constantly evaluating and reevaluating the way that we're doing things and how, how we can do those things, uh, better, smarter, you know, faster. Um, but it's always can you a balance. Do me a favor, and I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting you. Can you contextualize that one for me? 
Give me yeah. an example of of a project that you've worked on or that you're working on um, that that hits that discipline. Sure. I mean, right now we have uh, a project we call Project Wally. We have robot themed uh, names for a lot of our projects, um, and so we we have one person evaluating basically the five main divisions of our business and looking for new areas of opportunity to use robotic process automation, right? Where, where can we leverage um, this technical competency that we have more there? Honestly, I think, you know, we've only scratched the surface of what we can do at this point. And it's really just about being intentional, um, taking inventory of all those things that we could do. And then just prioritizing, you know, it's a, it's a balancing act. Um, So it sounds like you're experimenting all the time on things that aren't necessarily even broken, but might be able to be even thousand percent. Yeah. Thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. We honestly, a lot of times we're looking at things that aren't broken. We're looking at things that are fairly efficient already and how can we get them more efficient, especially the things that we do a lot of just because, you know, that's, that's the biggest area of opportunity. Um, It's a balancing act though, right? Like, we already know there's more things that we could do than we can possibly do right now. So um, our approach is really, as long as we're making those like steady strides forward, we can't do everything at once, but we want to be continuously improving, you know, one, one day at a time, a better SJV than we were yesterday. Sure. Okay. And that was continuous improvement. Um, But I apologize for cutting you off. There were two other areas uh, I think you were going to talk about as well now. Yeah. And I mean, I think they kind of go hand in hand in a way. I mean, um, you know, we, we have a very uh, API centric sort of approach. Like we, we would much rather um, integrate if we can than use RPA to kind of go around, uh, you know, an existing integration. Um, we try to make our APIs super developer friendly. We, we want connectivity to SJV to be an easy process for customers um, we want our APIs to be comprehensive so that, you know, all the main components of order management can be fulfilled through their APIs. Um, and quite frankly, I think there's even more that we could be doing there um, for our more sophisticated customers. Um, and then uh, scalability, right? We, you know, just we want to be able to take on multiples of the volume that we do today. And I'm not talking just technical scalability. I'm talking about operational scalability. And there are limits to that, of course, when you're talking about you know, labor demands and recruiting timelines and things like that. But, but we always want to make sure we have capacity to take on more um, and just to, to be agile based on the, the needs of our customers. So, yeah. And I'm curious to know, I mean, I've seen the laundry list of potential projects you have on your plate. How do you decide what gets uh, worked on and what doesn't, what gets pushed off, what just gets yeah. taken off the list, all of those things? Yeah. Um, saying, saying no becomes a, uh, you know, a skill at some point because there's, there are so many things. Well, we do call but, you Mr. No. Yeah. Do you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we don't. Dr. No, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So uh, business case evaluation of at least the big things, right? You can't do a business case on every, you know, new feature requests and things like mm-hmm. that. It would just be time, time and cost prohibitive, but um, at least for like the areas where we're going to invest significantly on the um, on the engineering side and on the product side, uh, we we just make sure it makes sense with our kind of our strategic vision for the business overall, um, and 
you know, we, we rank it based on priority, you know, is cost savings isn't equal necessary, you know, dollar for dollar uh, revenue is not equal to a cost savings initiative. So we think about that as well, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, are we going to actually benefit more from this internal automation optimization that's going to save us X versus this new product that we could go chase that might be fun and exciting, but it actually, you know, it actually doesn't, um, doesn't really make sense for us. Right. And then you balance that with, uh, yeah, you balance that then with client customizations that client customization. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, So it wouldn't be an SJV podcast if we didn't talk about the pandemic. Um, But um, you know, Technology was definitely tested during the, the pandemic, uh, mainly yeah. because we needed to think of creative ways of, yeah. you know, working through uh, our, our orders and, and making sure that they were processed efficiently. Yeah. Um, tell me about some of the problems that we solved and and are any of these long-term solutions? Yeah, sure. Um, I think we were tested technically and operation. I mean, we're just tested as people, right? And that's not an, that wasn't an SJV thing. Um, our response to the pandemic though, is something that I'm, I'm personally very proud of, um, you know, without sugarcoating it, right? Like it was an, an exceptionally hard year, um, professionally, the hardest thing that I've ever gone through. Um, and, uh, I think one of the things I learned though, is our ability to be, calm and uh, collected during crisis and make smart decisions quickly. Um, We proved that we do that really, really well last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, I think organizationally we knew like communication was going to be paramount in all of this, right? We may not be able to give, um, you know, results back because courts are closed and this, you know, there was this convergence of challenges. We knew in all of it, communication was going to be key. So a couple of things we did, um, you know, we had massive software projects going on last year and we immediately pivoted attention from that. We said, we, you know, we need to solve this communication, um, you know, challenge now. So we built a bunch of tools into our connect platform for internal communication, even communication with clients um, and with our, our researchers around court closures, you know, the impact, impacted areas, what we know, and, and as much that as, we, as we possibly can provide in an efficient manner, we kept that up to date continuously um, throughout the pandemic when, when things were, I guess, hardest hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not throwaway work because, you know, court closures happen even outside of a pandemic. You know, you get, you get pipes burst and, you know, uh, elections and things like that. So, that those features are relevant well beyond the pandemic, but it was a quick pivot to um, to build those things out. I think we had that built out in a, in a matter of weeks um, after sort of the, the cliff that happened in uh, mid-March of last year. Another one more, even like on the infrastructure side, when you talk about scalability, like it's really easy to talk about the scalability of our tools and our solutions and all that. But like reality, that was battle tested last year to the, the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our systems had been designed such that they weren't dependent on on-prem technology and on-prem teams, even our call center, you know, our, our, our call center for verifications, we were able to send everyone home 
and nearly fully productive within a matter of days. I mean, there were some challenges figuring out like, hey, we got to get people computers that didn't have computers and stuff before. But it was, it was, I mean, we're talking days and we were back at home productive and we still haven't reopened the office. I mean, it completely changed how we're, how we're thinking about office space needs. And again, that's not unique to SJV, but it, it was, it was an eye-opening thing. So another sort of permanent impact of our, our pandemic response really was even like, you know, it, it opened our eyes in a good way as far as, uh, you know, talent re- recruiting, right? We, we now have this entire country that we can recruit talent for, for roles that quite honestly, we were looking in a small geographic area before, just because we were thinking about our physical office space. Yeah. And talk about things that I don't think are going to change post pandemic. Um, you know, obviously it's nice to have people together where they can collaborate, but I think, you know, the, the handcuffs have been taken off, so to speak on a lot of organizations that have found they can find talent anywhere. And, and, you know, I think that'll be interesting to see how that all of that plays out over time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's pivot. You know, we're, we're, we, we, we met the demands of, uh, of the pandemic. We actually, I mean, I, I can't tell you how proud I am of the organization uh, for its resilience and for being able to snap back the way that it did now to producing like unprecedented volumes. Um, but now that we're in full recovery mode, how do you continue to raise the bar on the technology side? Man, um, you know, I, I mentioned we had some major, we had major projects going last year. So there's a continuation of those, but then also on the, on the product side, um, we have, we have more going on right now at one time than we've had in probably the last decade. Um, some really cool, <clears throat> exciting new products in development, kind of, you know, more to, more to come on that um, industry-wide in the coming months, but uh, just tr- trying to create solutions for clients based on what we know from, you know, a couple of decades of experience, background screening, um, our pain points for our CRAs and end users, and just trying to, you know, be create, be creative and continue to um, provide again, I, you know, I, I like to use the word growth oriented solutions, right? Solutions that include technology, um, you know, and, and value for our customers. Um, internally, uh, we're always looking again, again, how can we, how can we continuously improve? Um, how can we leverage technology like RPA, robotic process automation, to make the business more efficient, more scalable? Um, I, I talked about Project Wally earlier. That's a big part of how we're um, continuing to raise the bar as well. It's just, yeah, you know, as much as much as we can possibly do um, systematically, so that the the folks in our operations team can focus on those specialized skills that we need that bring so much value to each of these products. Yeah. Another byproduct, I think, of, of the pandemic is that I, I feel like CRAs have opened their minds more to yes. more technological advancement that they might not have gotten over um, had that not happened. Um, 100%. Certainly doesn't come at the expense of compliance, but that was always yeah. because we've always done it this way, right? So do you feel yeah. like you have more license to experiment and be creative now? I do. I do think that um, I think you know, 2020 forced some customers to get comfortable with <clears throat> technical change. Yep. Um, and they, in, in a lot of ways, they just didn't have another option. Um, but because of that, again, it's created, you know, sort of a permanent, uh, you know, 
mind change, mind shift change, if you will, uh, around technology. And I, and I think it was happening before, quite honestly. I think the, um, the industry was taking a turn for to be a little bit more technically um, progressive mm-hmm. than it had been in, in, you know, I guess the prior decade. But I think the pandemic really accelerated it. Yep. Okay. And talk about, as you look at the industry, what do you see are the biggest gaps from a technology standpoint that, that you'd yeah. like to see addressed? Um, <clears throat> yeah. You know, I, uh, I, used to, I used to think that this industry was pretty technically unsophisticated, um, quite frankly. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, and, and until recently, um, I felt that way. I would say, I think, you know, I said it a minute ago, in the last few years, I had seen the industry start to turn a little bit more towards, you know, um, progressive thought around using tech. Um, you know, for so long, we were handed down these unsustainable uh, process expectations from CRAs, right? These, this sort of old school approach to, you know, you have to look at everything. You can't use automation. Like, like it was a bizarre attitude, almost like an aversion to technology to make, you know, our jobs easier and the product more efficient. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's changed so much in the last couple of years. Like, I don't know that there really is any like aversion to automation. There may not be full, full scale adoption. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, that, that could just be like, you know, series catching up, but I don't think anybody is like, no, no automation. Right. I think, um, that was a, that was an attitude 10 years ago for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think as far as techno, you know, I wouldn't, I still wouldn't say we're a high tech industry. I think there's ripe opportunity for us to use a little bit more advanced tech, um, in, in background screening, you know, machine learning, artificial intelligence, um, centralization of data for the benefit of of all, right? Um, and I think that will come for sure. I also think one of the things we're facing, uh, and I don't know if I'd call it a gap, but I do think identity in general will change over the next decade or two. I think um, you know the idea that like a physical, a single physical document is like the end all, be all evidence of your existence is kind of old school. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think that'll have a profound impact on our on our industry. But yeah, that's, that's probably a conversation for another day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm still amazed uh, after all these years that, you know, you, even just thinking about the ID process that yeah. many employers like they forget that that's an important step in the background screening process. You know, if somebody changes their birth date when they're filling out their forms or or, or their name or whatever it is, it can throw a background check off, you know, right from the beginning. Um, so I, I agree with you. You know, the other area that uh, I, I know we weren't necessarily planning on talking about it today, but how about employment verifications? I mean, it doesn't get more prehistoric stone age than that, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, that's where I talk about, um, you know, the centralization of data concept. And that's, that is, you know, one, one of the new products. I don't know if it's premature for me to talk about, but that is one of the new products we're launching. Um, and do you want me to mention it here? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So uh, we've, we've, we're developing a marketplace for, uh, for verifications for employment education initially. Um, and, it, and it is a, you know, kind of a uh, custodial type data marketplace where um, CRAs, end users, payroll companies, you know, anybody with 
uh, verified employment and education data can contribute that data uh, and make it available to the other members of the marketplace, right? And it's, it is a closed community. It's not open to just anybody. You have to be, you'd be approved to, to participate, to contribute. You have to be qualified to consume. You have to be, um, you know, approved. Uh, but it, again, it's sort of a, uh, you know, rising tides type approach um, to centralizing and sharing data to make the process of getting that data just more efficient. Um, and, you know, lastly, as we begin to wrap up here, um, I think you've answered elements of this question, but let's just reinforce. So we mentioned the fact that CRAs are now more open to technology uh, and innovation than I think they, they have been in a very long time. How do we as a, as a good custodian for this industry continue to advance technology? But I say advance technology responsibly. In other yeah. words. Uh, where we're using it in a way that it is not coming at the expense of, of compliance uh, yeah. or, or privacy protections and things like that. Yeah, you kind of answered my question a little bit. Um, I'd say for me, probably two things. First, everything that we do, no matter what we do as far as you know, technological advancement, still has to be centered around consumer privacy and protection at the forefront, right? And so... Um, we can never cut corners for the sake of efficiency at the expense of the consumer um, because, you know, the consumer are all of us too, right? So um, you think about like the, the data that we are um, exchanging and storing and providing, um, it's highly sensitive. So we, we always have to have that in mind first. And then I'd say the second way to do this responsibly is to not be too cheap. Um, and I, and I say that kind of jokingly, but also seriously, like, you know, <clears throat> those things almost go hand in hand, right? We need to defend the value of the product and service we're providing. Um, because if we just get in this race to the bottom, as far as pricing, we're only going to force people to take shortcuts. Yeah. And those shortcuts will create risk for all of us and for the industry as a whole, because, Again, because of the sensitivity involved of the data, you know, I think um, I think overly commoditizing background checks is just going to result in an inferior product, um, and ultimately, you know, the demise of 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 what what it is that we do. So, sure, yeah, no, I agree with you. All right, um, I think that's the final word. Um, thanks for joining us again today, Nick. Uh, yeah. If anybody's interested in learning more about SJV Data Solutions please visit us at www.sjvdata.com and we'll look forward to talking to you again on the next podcast. Have a good day. Thanks, Nick.